It's time for dinner. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. From the creative mind of Scott Bertelson, after four decades of teaching our impressionable youth, the dinner bell, you are invited to enjoy conversational morsels for the mind at Mr. B's Dinner Party. Yeah, dinner. What time is it, everybody? You know what time it is. It's time for Mr. B's Dinner Party. Yes, Mr. B is back, and he has morsels of information to share with his audience today. And I am happy to be with you today to say that I hope I bring some kind of enjoyment into your lives, whether you are reading a book or walking the dog or thinking about vacation or cleaning the cupboards or sitting at your job at work in your cubicle, whatever it would be, let's have some fun, okay? So we're going to have some fun. We are going to be talking about a number of things today. So belly up to the table and get ready for another episode of, drumroll, Mr. B's Dinner Party. Yay! Yay! For the next course, come one, come all, nothing spoiled here. From comfort classics to what's hot now, film reviews from Mr. B's Rewatchables. For my Rewatchables this week, I am going to give my opinion what I think are some of the top movies of 2023. Now, some of these you may have seen in the theaters or on streaming service or uh, purchases on um, on digital format or bought the DVD. Do they still have those? Uh, anything like that. So this is simply my opinion, folks. You know, all the movies that I've talked about in TV shows, they whatever I said is simply my opinion. And this is largely based on what other critics have said or what my friends have said who've seen the movie. Not that I'm influenced. Ha ha. Yes, I am. Or making up my own decision or taking a combination of all of the above and deciding whether or not this is something that I could watch again. Uh, that's part of the uh, issue that I use when I'm choosing top movies. Is, is this something I could sit through again and learn something from it I, the second time around, the third time around, however many times around you want to go, and still enjoy it? So here we go. First, I'm going to mention, of course, Barbie, the movie Barbie, which has made gobs of money and has been a worldwide sensation. I liked it. I did. Was I hesitant? Absolutely. Did I think it was going to be just about a plastic doll? Yes, I did. I was sorely mistaken. Uh, Greta Gerwig, the director, uh, co-wrote a uh, very, very artistically well done script about the Barbie character wanting to be more than just a plastic doll and wants to be respected and looked up to and have her life and not just uh, be stuck in a box. And hey, maybe that's a treat for all of us to want to have. We don't want to be stuck in the box. We want to be appreciated. We want to be loved. We want to be out there. So I thought Margot uh, Robbie was as Barbie was amazing. I thought 
Uh, Ryan Gosling as Ken was superb. And uh, so many other characters uh, also in the movie uh, that I could mention that you've got to see it. You really do. And it's not just for girls. It's not just for women. And visually, it is just stunning. Stunning, stunning, stunning. Uh, the backdrops and, and, and the artwork and uh, the, the Barbie land, you know, just amazing. Um, so kudos to everybody who was involved with Barbie. Go see Barbie. Uh, another one would be the movie, as I've mentioned before, Past Lives. I guess I can't say enough about this film. Uh, it's a quiet film. It's been nominated for some awards. Uh, not a big award winner because it is one of those smaller films. But the story of two people who were together as children, liked each other, separated for many, many years, going different directions, and then start communicating with each other and then start realizing how much they like each other and maybe we should get together again and maybe we shouldn't. And then the one travels from, um, I believe it's Korea, uh, to the United States where the other one lives, who's married, lives in New York City. And uh, what's going to happen? You know, are they going to rekindle uh, their, their love? Did they have love? Maybe they didn't. Maybe they were just friends. Is she going to give up her husband? Are they going to run off together? I mean, these are questions that go through your mind the whole time you're watching it because you just don't know what direction this is going. And, you know, really it is a story about if we had been in a certain time in a certain place, would things have been different for us? And um, the last scene of this show, movie, uh, where the young man is going to go back to his native country uh, and she's walking him to the uh, spot where the... uh, cab or uber is going to pick him up they just stand and look at each other for minutes on end and oh just wanting to know what's going on in their heads what are they thinking are they going to reach out to each other are they going to kiss are they just going to walk away from each other will they ever communicate again will they see each other again just a a myriad of questions that arise And so I'm not going to tell you anything beyond that. You just have to see it yourself. So past lives. Of course, I've got to also number three mention Oppenheimer. I saw Oppenheimer in the theater. It is a brilliant film about the man behind the nuclear bomb. And the performances are amazing. Robert Downey Jr. was amazing. Uh, The guy who played Oppenheimer was superb. Emily Blunt as his wife was great. Uh, Very, very, very engrossing story. And uh, dealing with uh, the whole impact of um, what impact the development of the nuclear uh, power bomb uh, had on our world. So Oppenheimer, go see that. Another one. Oh, yes, there's another one is the movie Poor Things. Poor Things is uh, based on a novel. And uh, it's a work of fiction about a Victorian England, a woman in Victorian England, uh, who uh, jumps off a bridge and uh, dies. 
And then uh, a doctor, uh, Dr. Frankenstein-type doctor, uh, takes her body and uh, takes the brain from the unborn child and puts it in her skull. And so she is reanimated like the Frankenstein monster and uh, becomes a, a different person. Uh, she's an adult with a, a child brain. And what it's like that she sees the world, how she reacts to people. And Emma Stone, uh, one of my favorite actresses, just is magnificent in this character role uh, to show how this young lady uh, views the world through uh, new eyes and wants to participate in all the great things in life it is a superb story. And uh, it's funny. And Emma, as uh, I've always loved her, all the way from Easy A to uh, La La Land uh, and other films, does a job that nobody else could do. So for all the accolades that she's receiving, well, well, well deserved. That's the poor thing. Uh, the next one would be The Color Purpled, the latest version of that, which came out at Christmas time. Uh, the original starred Whoopi Goldberg, and that came out, I believe, in the 80s. And this is a musical version because it was transformed into a Broadway musical in the early uh, 2000s. And then um, now they've transferred the Broadway musical into the movie musical. Not with the same number of songs, but still a, a musical. And it's the same story. Uh, Fantasia plays Seely, uh, the character that Whoopi Goldberg played. And, um, and the woman who plays Sophia, sorry I don't have that in front of me, is absolutely superb in playing that role. And um, all the characters are very well done. It's beautiful to watch. It's beautiful singing. It's beautiful acting. It's beautiful dancing. And it's, most importantly, a story about the, the rise of the human spirit. The, the beauty of surpassing uh, all your tragedy, all your turmoil in your life, and becoming a better person. And only you can do that. And... That's what I'm taking away from The Color Purple. I would also recommend to you that you see probably the movie Priscilla, which is uh, the Sofia Coppola film. Uh, she is the daughter of Francis Ford Coppola, the guy who directed the amazing Godfather 1 and 2. And the story of Priscilla Presley, uh, based on her memoir of what it was like to be married to the king. And uh, we learned some things about the characterization of Elvis that we really didn't know before and uh, how she was treated and how she was respected and how she was ignored at times and uh, why she had to ultimately leave him even though she had immense love for him. That, if you want a bittersweet story, I would recommend that you see that. Now, there's other movies too. But that's all I'm going to share with you today. So I think for my next podcast, 
I will share more movies from 2023. And I'm also going to give my predictions for the Academy Awards, uh, which will be on in March. And uh, that will be based on what I've read, how I feel, uh, my experience watching and understanding the Academy Awards for so many years to see what direction they will go with the major categories. So, my friends, happy viewing. Hello, friends and neighbors. This is Troy Thompson of the Sunny Side of Life. If you're the poor schlep who's been put in charge of finding an MC, host, or announcer for your group or corporate event, well, drop me a line. I've hosted or announced everything from featured sporting events, corporate parties, charity functions, all kinds of banquets, and even a couple of gubernatorial inaugurations. I know. Talk about a tough crowd. Whether you want someone to relay a message of inspiration, add some character to your run-of-the-mill event, or just be that guy that reads names off a card, well, I could be that guy. Send inquiries to Troy at SunnysideFarmStudios.com and book me, Troy Thompson, for a professional, energetic, at times amusing, easy-to-work-with MC experience. That's Troy at SunnysideFarmStudios.com. Let me bring the sunny side of life to your special event. For my uh, TV show recommendation this week, I am going to mention a show that premiered in 2015 and ran until 2021. And I didn't discover it until the last three to four seasons, and then I was hooked like a fish. <laughs> and that is a show called Soup. Store. Okay, everyone. Good morning. Let's settle down. Um, tis the season, and I'd like to give a permanent welcome to all our new temporary workers in the light blue vests. Now, I haven't put all the faces to the names yet, but I do know that you are Reggie, uh, and that we now have a black Todd. Nope, you'll just be Todd. Uh, you'll be quite Todd. Thank you. And uh, Oh, and this sweetheart here is Opal, who at 90 years old, I think it's the oldest employee we've ever had. Superstore is a half-hour comedy that aired on NBC. It was created by Justin Spitzer, who also did, uh, and I don't know if it's coming back or not, I, it's been on for two seasons, American Auto, and deals with uh, a variety store, a discount store, called Cloud9. And the employees who work there, may I use the word loosely work, and what, <laughs> it's uproariously funny what they do in this show. Uh, first of all, America Ferreira is in the show. Uh, lots of other people on the show that you may not know their names. Excuse me, sir. We would to buy one rifle, please. Just the one rifle, please. And thank you. What, what are you going to hunt for? Uh, liars. Elk. Hunting elk. This store, that was this fictional big store, okay? And it had its typical everyday products like, you know, guns and liquor. And it also had a pharmacy and it had a credit union. And it also had a photo studio. And um, the mascot for Cloud9 was, um, his name was Daniel Hertzler. Uh, but then he got arrested and he was charged with cannibalism. So... <laughs> No, I know. Cannibalism is not funny. No, I get that. But <laughs> since, 
It's just so outrageously funny. Where would I find men's hats? <sighs> All right, you're gonna wanna go to aisle 16 and then straight to, oh, uh, who's this hat for, a boyfriend? No, no boyfriend. It's for my dad. Tight, tight, well, I could take you over there personally, and if you'd like, I could model some of the options for you. You know, they say my head looks amazing in hats. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was cute and funny. Uh, let me tell you about myself. Did I hear you ask about men's hats? I can help you with that. Uh, I got this, man. Okay, just thought I'd ask, since I personally tested every hat we sell, and Garrett is a sexual predator. What? Uh, now, this uh, store, the company, the corporation, does not offer maternity leave health insurance or paid overtime uh you can only have one bathroom break per shift and you're allotted 15 minutes for lunch so the series is also um mocking uh the the business practices of uh management in discount stores and uh, how they take advantage of the people who work there and don't want to pay them or treat them equally as they're making uh big, big money. So Zephyr is sending an analyst today to do a walkthrough. I thought it would get here before her, help you whip the store into shape so that they pick us. I mean, you. Question, what does this mean for you and Jonah? No, this isn't about- No, no we're not. That's not what we're here for. Yes, yeah, Sandra. Besides, it doesn't matter. Jonah's seeing someone. Oh, well, that's great for Jonah. It's none of my business. It's my lawyer, and she's a redhead. So safe bet is she's like the filthiest freak in the world. Jonah, no. So this one takes place in St. Louis, Missouri. And you've got a number of people on this show who really don't want to work there and are forced to work there because they need the money. And it could be uh, not necessarily a full-time job, but it could be a part-time job to uh, support their uh, lifestyle that they are wanting to have for themselves. And so you have situations of um, people coming into the store and trying to rob them. Uh, you have a, a episode where there's a tornado and the store is largely destroyed. You have episodes of... Um, but I have a medical condition. Hey, what seems to be the problem here? This man is harassing me. Only me that I have to wear that mask. I am only trying to keep you safe. Ma'am, listen, you need to put on the mask or you will be escorted out of the store. This is America. I have rights. You guys are working for Satan, aren't you? Oh, huh? no. Yeah? You're Satan workers. Satan? Satan? Yeah. He is the one person that I would never work for. People working in the store, employees who uh, have hard time understanding each other or getting along with each other, uh, resulting in humorous uh, situations. How about Justine trying to sound blacker when she talks to black people? Oh, that's how you gonna do me? So, it's um, just so funny. So funny. And I haven't really given you any specific episodes, but I've just told you that it's a great ensemble piece, and you've got some uh, great amount of actors in this uh, funny, funny sitcom. Uh, that make you really realize you don't want to work in a discount store. <laughs> and I think of this every time I go into a discount store, such as Walmart, and I think of Superstore, uh, you know, looking at the employees and, and noticing how many of them 
probably are quite disgruntled and feel underappreciated and, and don't feel like they're trained well and uh, everything that goes along with that. And so if you're looking for something light to watch, uh, you could find this, I'm sure, on a streaming service or you can buy the uh, entire um, box set of the series if you want to, which I have. You can um, maybe try to um, uh, see clips, scenes from this on YouTube and maybe get an idea whether or not you might want to watch this movie, uh, excuse me, TV series. And so Superstore is a super show. And now, School Days with Mr. B. People in podcast land, I have, for the past episodes, talked about various aspects of teaching. Why I became a teacher, why I think it's one of the most revered professions, the advantages of teaching, some of the things that go along with it that may be not so advantageous as you have with any career. But tonight, or today, or this morning, or wherever you're at, or whatever time zone you're in, I'm going to uh, share with you a brief, a brief list of things that I have found that personally drive me Fruit Loops in the classroom if I allow it. Now, a lot of people would already say I'm already there. It doesn't take any way or direction to get me there. No, nope, no, nope, that's not true. I'm I'm very uh, coherent. Uh, <laughs> In my estimation, yes, just my estimation, uh, very lucid, very aware of what's happening around me. And I rarely, rarely have things that get, as the expression goes, under my skin. But some of these things over the years really have got under my skin. And I guess the best way I can deal with this is just turn it over to my higher power, like I do with my eating problem, and just say, I will be done. Take this away from me. Let me just relax in this scenario and I'll, everything will be okay. First of all, this notion of doing the sport of flipping water bottles. Uh, I've noticed some high schoolers doing this. Uh, I think this is a, a sport that's developed in the last few years, maybe more since I've retired, but coming back into the classroom to Sub, I have um, <laughs> found that they just flip water bottles to see if they can get them to stand up again. Uh, okay, uh, it's, it's, it's annoying, okay? That's, that's just what I want to say. It's annoying, it's loud, uh, it can be dangerous if it's used as a weapon. I just... I don't like it. And so I always try to put a kibosh to it as best I can and then just say, they're one of God's children. <laughs> okay. Uh, another one would be school pencil sharpeners. Uh, I was recently in a second grade classroom subbing and um, the teacher there had a pencil sharpener. And it said on the pencil sharpener that only the teacher should operate it, which for many reasons I understand because I... I had witnessed students at the pencil sharpener for days. It seems that way. Anyway, so we were doing some assignments. So they all bring up their pencils. I mean, every single one, even though it was sharp. 
but they had to have it sharpened. And so we had to go through the ritual of sharpening that pencil, taking it out, putting another one in, taking it out, putting another one in. And just goes on and on and on. And it was getting to the point where I wanted to put them into the pencil sharpener, uh, especially when the pencil was already sharp. What's the idea that you would have to uh, sharpen your pencil when it's already sharp? What's that about? Help me. Okay. Uh, Another thing in the classroom, and please raise your hand if you can relate to any of these, uh, would be giving verbal directions uh, that may accompany something that you've already printed out for them. And immediately when you're done and you feel like you've done a great job of presenting it hands go up in the air and they'll say so what do we do (laughs) so what do we do i'd like to tell you what you should do (laughs) but i won't (laughs) i just roll my eyes and i experienced this many many times over my 39 years of full-time teaching uh so i just wasted the last five or 10 minutes of my life. I'll never get that back. And nobody seemed to know any better now after I've given the directions than they did when they walked into the room. So you got some choices to make. You can either repeat or just bang your head against the wall until you start to bleed or have them turn to a friend or neighbor and see if they can help you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, one of my favorites is what I used to experience is if a student was sick or gone for a a day or two and they come in and they, the first thing they normally say is, did I miss anything? (laughs) Did you miss anything? And I want to be sarcastic. Oh, yes, I do. And I want to say, no. We realized you weren't here, and so I didn't have them do anything. We colored, and we uh, made gingerbread houses, and (laughs) played jacks. I mean, what, what, what do you think? Of course, we did something. The world doesn't end just because you're gone. I understand maybe you had to be gone. Okay, I'm, I'm not angry about that. But (laughs) yes, you're going to have to have something that you have to make up. So did you miss anything? Oh, yes, you did miss something. Uh, Also, too, would be the bathroom. Uh, I thought as an older person, I had issues with going to the bathroom quite often. But uh, I find that young people like to spend a lot of time in the bathroom. And I don't know if that's because, you know, they want to get on their phone that they have hidden in their pocket and they can text somebody or whatever it would be, or uh, they just want to get away from the teacher or I, I don't know what it is, but you have those people who I call chronic bathroom users and you have to be very aware of these people and um, limit the amount of time and, um, they're in the bathroom and I just don't want to leave class because that's what you shouldn't do that's not right Uh, that's not legal and uh, go and try to seek them out where are they are they in the bathroom or did they go to another county 
or did they go shopping? So there you go. Another one is uh, not bringing their essentials to class, like a pen or a pencil. How many pens and pencils have I given out? Thousands and thousands and thousands, okay? No big deal. No big deal, really, but you can't bring a pen or a pencil or you didn't bring paper or where's your laptop? Oh, I didn't bring it. Well, that's just a standard. You do that all the time. Oh, and oh, and by the way, if I did bring my laptop, it isn't charged. Oh, so let's see if we can find a course so you can charge your laptop. All right. So <laughs> that just all kind of ties in together. You know, is this a conspiracy to uh, run out to your locker or to play with your phone? Only the culprits know the answers to this. So there are probably many more pet peeves. But when it comes to the things that drive a teacher crazy, these are very, very small compared to all the joy, rapture, excitement, beauty of being in the classroom. So this is really small potatoes, but I thought you might like to know about it because none of us are uh, immune from some things getting under our skin. It's just what we do with it once it gets under our skin. (laughs) So please, please, please don't ask me the question, did I miss anything? (laughs) Hello, friends and neighbors. This is Troy Thompson of The Sunny Side of Life. Let's spend this year together reading the Word of God. Just take 10 to 15 minutes a day to join with me in the sunny side of life's Bible in a Year experience. It may be just what you need. Lord knows I do. Besides, it's free, it's fast, and it's good for your soul. And you can start anytime. It doesn't take much to get caught up and on pace with us each day. So whether you've read the Bible entirely already or you're just looking for a way to get it done, take a few moments with me here and let the good book be the sunny side of your life each and every day. Let's have a seat round the proverbial table. Would you like to say grace? With a nod to our higher power and Mr. B's spiritual journey. Folks, for my spiritual journey today, uh, I want to reiterate to you that I appreciate all the people who've told me that they I find this segment to be the one that has been the most instrumental in their lives. And they appreciate the honesty. And I am being completely honest with you today about my uh, issues with eating. Uh, I will always have this disease. Uh, I cannot get rid of it. Uh, It's with me 24-7. But I do not have to act on it. I do not have to uh, give in to the temptations because of my higher power who protects me and loves me and has removed that from me just for today, just for this 24 hours. Now, I have to do my part too. I have to uh, realize the importance of my higher power, relying on my higher power that I cannot uh, control anything in my life except what I do. And I need to simply realize that I am a worthy individual. And if I feel that way about myself, then 
there is no reason that I need to pollute my body with um, toxic food. What for me is toxic food. Now, I've talked to you about uh, the steps, and I've gone through, I believe, steps one, two, and three with you, and I'm going to continue doing that throughout my journey with you on this podcast. I'd like to talk a little bit today about step four that this program believes in. Step four is uh, one that takes time and effort, big time and effort. But having gone through it with my sponsor, I realized this was a turning point for me. Uh, This is where we're supposed to examine our lives up to the present day, write down all important actions and events of our nature, and it's really writing an inventory about your life and sharing it then, which will be the next step, with somebody else. Uh, We have to take an honest look at our past of what we've done and who we've been to better understand ourselves. Uh, Many of us have... uh, carried a lot of shame, embarrassment in our hearts, and feel like there are things that we cannot ever express to another human being. But you've got to put the pavement to the road. Is that the right expression? The rubber to the road. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, Uh, but this self-analysis that we do in step four is essential for our recovery. The best way probably for us to do it is to you have a, a worksheet that you can follow uh, and you don't start filling it out until you've stopped, I believe, eating compulsively. You have to have clarity of mind to be thorough in your self-examination. But not everybody agrees with that. But you've got to decide for yourself. Uh, You can't just decide, well, I'm going to keep putting off the fourth step because I want to do it perfectly. That's one of the things that our disease plays tricks with us, Uh, that if you don't do it perfectly, then don't do it at all, and then you're a worthless, um, vile person, and you might as well just eat to get some uh, consolation from living. Well, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. We should not settle for that. Ultimately, your sponsor is going to say to you, you just have to do it. And procrastination is also one of the uh, issues of my disease. There are many things that I procrastinate on. And even today, being clean and sober, so to speak, from food, I still have some issues that I procrastinate on. So, What I'm going to share with you are some of the questions that you need to, if you're going through step four of the 12 steps, you need to journal about and become honest with yourself, honest with yourself, and be willing to share that with somebody else and not feel shame. Here's one question. Are we power hungry? Do we enjoy controlling others? Do we manipulate people? You could journal about that. Those are characteristics many times of an overeater. 
You want to run everything. You want to run the whole show. Only your opinion matters. And you have no time for anybody else's opinion. Here's another one. Have you been jealously possessive of something that somebody has? Essentially, are you a jealous person? One of my worst character traits, jealousy. Why do they have that? Why are they treated that way? I'm not going to live like that anymore. Why do I want to take the time and the effort to be concerned about what another person has if they have a better car or a better house or better clothing or better relationship with somebody that I don't have? Why? Why? Why am I thinking about these things? It's just going to lead to suicide for me in the sense that I will want to overeat because I can control that. Yeah, right. I can't. I'm completely insane when it comes to certain foods. And they're toxic foods. How do you react when you don't get your own way? Can you do some journaling about that? Are we intolerant of differences? Whether it's religion, color, sexual orientation, Religion, the list goes on and on. Are we intolerant? And how can we change that to realize that we're all in this together? Are we status seekers? How much time and money have we used to try to impress others when we hate ourselves. So then we have to try to find uh, status to have people say, look at me, look at me, look at me. When we know inside we're dead. When you realize that you don't need to impress other people, you only need to be happy with yourself then you are moving away from the disease. Have we repeatedly belittled people, put them down, again, because of their color or sexual orientation or religion or politics or whatever it would be? What gives us the right to do that? Nobody. We don't have that right. Have we condemned others for things we're also guilty of? Oh, it's okay for me to do it, but it's not okay for you. Are we being hypocritical? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. It's got to go. Here's one. Do we indulge in gossip? Or do we enjoy listening to the gossip of others? Does that build us up in a sad, sick way? If you need to stay abstinent, clean, and keep your sights on a higher power, 
That's got to go. You don't have a right to judge what your neighbor down the street is doing or try to find out what's happening in the private life of uh, somebody in your family. That's not your business. You take care of yourself. And are we selfish letting our own desires govern us? Selfishness. Do we always put ourselves first? Do we need to change that? Are we people pleasers? Do we need everybody to like us, no matter what the cost? Are we afraid to say no to others? If you're a people pleaser, your life is going to be miserable. Because you can't please everybody. How about pleasing yourself? And the rest of it will take care of itself. If you think you're going to be loved and liked by everybody in this world, it's not going to happen. That doesn't mean that you are a person of Less integrity. Not at all. Is it okay for me to not like certain people? Sure, I admit that there are certain people, very few, very, very few, that I don't really care for. Is it because of their values? Is it because of their goals? Is it because of um, their hair color? Can't really give a reason. I've asked myself, and sometimes I just can't really pinpoint what it is, but I just don't really want to be around those people. But that's very, very few. Because I always, always, always try to find the good in people first. Always try to find the good about people. Are we afraid to end existing relationships, which we know are destructive? Why are we hanging on to something that's not good for our health, for our sobriety? for my abstinence? Is it because I don't think I deserve better? Because you do. Oh yes, you do. Are we afraid to express ourselves, to tell others how we feel? You have a right to be heard every time. It may not be what the other person wants to hear, but you have a right to express it. And if you're going to be living in a world where you're going to let people stop you from saying what you truly believe and be yourself, the food is going to take over your life. And it will kill you. It will ultimately kill you. Maybe not physically, but it will kill you emotionally and spiritually. Are you holding on to a grudge? Oh, 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 holding a grudge. Oh, yeah, that person needs to know how I feel about them. Who are you hurting? Is that other person being affected by you holding a grudge against them? I don't think so. You're only hurting yourself. 
do you hold a grudge against another person due to jealousy? That we're envious of their appearance, their wealth, their popularity, their possessions, their position in society? You want to spend your days like that? I don't think so. Why are you so concerned what the person across the street has that you maybe don't have? Don't let that ruin your abstinence. Uh, how has greed affected your life? Have you been greedy when it comes to uh, money, relationships, work environment? Here's one too. Have you been lazy? An extension of that would be, have you been a procrastinator? Journal about times that you have been like this and why and why. How about this one? Have you ever... Use sex to trap someone in a relationship. There's a whole section dealing with sex uh, in the inventory uh, that you need to do. And uh, I'm not going to read all those questions out loud that you have to think about. Uh, just I don't want to offend anybody, and that's never the purpose here ever. But you need to see what role that sex has uh, played in your life. And one of the big issues is that do you use it to entrap people, to uh, manipulate people, to run people's lives? And uh, that can't happen. That's not permissible to happen. Have you ever practiced deception? taking advantage of someone's ignorance instead of telling the full truth? Have we ever damaged someone's property and not paid for it? Have you broken a confidence? Have you ever cheated on a test? Have you indulged in self-pity? Woe is me. My life is so horrible. Look at me. Worship me. Let me play the martyr because I deserve it. Are you an optimistic person or a pessimistic person? How do you view life on a daily basis? Now, this is just a sampling of some of the questions that you would have to at this point in the 12 steps, journal about and report out to somebody else, being completely 100% honest. And miraculously, trust me on this, when you are honest, your life is going to change for the better. You are going to 
be so happy for yourself and the world around you. Not that you're not going to have daily problems come up. There's still there's still issues every day. It's how you approach those issues. Don't let them have an impact on you. Let it go. Let it go. Once you complete a four-step inventory, you will find that it's essential to our recovery and a major factor in changing your life. We are going to move beyond the food and the emotional havoc to a fuller living, not existing, living experience. So next time I'll be talking about step five, how we express this to a fellow human being. So my travelers on this spiritual journey, self-examine yourself on a daily basis. Are you letting greed, jealousy, self-pity, deceit run your life? If so, That's a path to destruction. With the help of your higher power, you can choose a different path. And you can be happy. You deserve happiness. Be happy. Okay, well, my happy friends, that's another episode of Mr. B's Dinner Party. I hope that you're full. Does anybody need (laughs) Alka-Seltzer? I hope you don't have acid reflux. Anyway, (laughs) I shouldn't make light of that, right? Okay, so I hope that you'll join me in the future for another rousing episode of what's going on in Mr. B's Hamster on the Wheel Mind. And the wheel goes round and round and round. So until we meet again, I wish you the best and be happy. Bye-bye. Mr. B's Dinner Party is hosted by Scott Bertelson, edited and produced by Troy Thompson, recorded and distributed at Sunnyside Farm Studios. Music is provided by Soundstripe and platformed by Buzzsprout. Like our page on Facebook, subscribe so you never miss an episode, and share with your friends. Listen and enjoy every other Wednesday, conversational morsels for the mind on Mr. B's Dinner Party.